John chapter 14. John 14. It's the first of the month, first Sunday of the month, and therefore we are taking our time to visit the upper room. And we have made it through chapter 13 to talk about the trauma that was being faced as they celebrated the very first Lord's Supper or observed where he told them and broke the bread and says, this is my body which is given for you. This is my blood which was shed for you, a ransom for you. And they faced a lot of trauma that night. They, in chapter 13, we saw that. We, we saw that uh, Jesus says, I'm going away. And they were going to lose him. He told them, one of you is a betrayer. <laughs> that caused a lot of angst among them as they began to ask, is, is it I, is it I, is it I? And then they learned about their own frailty, where he said, specifically to Peter, but we know contextually in the other synoptic, in the synoptic Gospels, uh, he said it to all of them. He says, smite the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. That's going to be you. You're all going to leave me this night. Peter said, no, I, I'm going to stand. And he said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that trauma has brought us to trauma-informed care, <laughs> starting in chapter 14, where he says, in that context, let not your heart be troubled. We, we, if you forget the context, if you, you, you don't understand why he's saying those words. He was talking to very troubled people. Disciples, And as we saw last month, he was very troubled himself. <laughs> he became very heavy. In the chapter, John chapter 12, it says, 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 uh, says he was very troubled as he thought about what is coming this very night. And it's him in his angst bearing all the sorrow and the shame and everything else that he was bearing that night speaks to his disciples, his hurting disciples, and says, let not your heart be troubled. We'll pick up from there. We did the very first, we talked about the verse three verses, and we want to pick up from there. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I, go to, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We pick up now in verse 4, and we'll deal with verses 4 through 6 today. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas says to, unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. 
Now, I'm both, both excited and a little afraid to touch a scripture so plain as the one before us. Undergirding our comfort and our confidence in Christ, we come to the very sum of our faith here. And this points and spurs a more exact declaration by Christ. This question that is asked. He says, whither, he says in verse, let's contextually see in verse 4 and 5 uh, how this conversation or how this statement takes shape. And I don't necessarily have a very, a very uh, discernible outline here. I just want to march through this text. The question, and he says, he, he brings out this point. He says, whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. What, why is he saying this in verse 4? Well, he's saying this because in the end of chapter 13, this was the conversation that was had. He said, where you, Simon Peter said unto him in verse 36, where are you going? And he says, where I'm going now, you cannot follow me. And Peter says, and then Peter makes his declaration. So now he says here, after verse, the verse three verses, he is where he has plainly talked about his mission, where we should have faith in him. He's going to the Father's house, um, and he's preparing us a place. And if he does, he's going to come again. He's going to receive us. And now he says, whither I go, the, where I'm going you know, and the way you know. So he has plainly told us where he is going in the very first three verses of this text. He is fully instructed where the, about the place he's going to the Father. He also answers the question of how later on they will be able to follow because he said in verse 36 of chapter 13, he says, you cannot follow me right now, but you're going to be able to follow me then. And he has told us plainly in the first three verses of chapter 14 how it is that we are going to follow him. So he gives this succinct statement. Whither I go, you know. Right now you know it. You have been fully instructed in it. And the way, you know. Uh, there, there is a critical reading of this that differs just a little bit. Uh, and it's worth noting here because I think it draws the emphasis a little bit more, uh, a little bit more for us to understand the critical reading. The wooden, the wooden reading of this text would be like this: "And to the place I go, you know the way." And that's the that's the critical reading of the text. He he is focusing on the knowledge of the way alone in the critical reading of it, as opposed to this being two separate thoughts. Uh, whither you go, you know where I'm going, and you know, um, and, and you know the way, as, as we have here. Uh, the doctrine is reaching, though, a crescendo. They know it. He has clearly said it. And he has clearly said it in such a way where he is demanding their understanding of just the basic meaning of the words that he's saying. If it were not so, he said in the verses prior, I would have told you. 
He's saying, I'm speaking very plainly about what is going to happen. He says, they know it because it has been clearly taught, and it now must be brought to bear clearly to them. He has already come. Consider what he has already said about himself. They They know the way. Why do they know the way? Because he's been declaring it to them from the beginning. This is not something he invented in the upper room. This is truths about his entire ministry where he has said, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They, he, he has told them, come and drink of me and live, John chapter 6. He has told them, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. In John chapter 10, he says, I am the door of the sheepfold. All that enter in may find pasture. He has told them already the way. And it's not something he is just now telling them. So he is saying emphatically, Whether where I'm going, you know it. And you also know the way to go. And that's implicit. He he has instructed them in the text that we looked at last month to believe and to trust on Him, the one equal with God, the object of our faith and trust, that He alone can bring sinful men to the Father's house. Peter would later get this emphatically and say it himself. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, where he says, He died the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. So consider how this clear doctrine also dovetailed into, from theology to history. What has he been saying to them repeatedly up to this moment? I can give you several places in the Scripture, but you all know that, and I assume as you all have have read yourselves, you understand that this entire context as he has gone up to Jerusalem, what has he repeatedly been telling them? We're going up to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm going to be delivered over to the Gentiles. They're going to put me on a cross. I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. Speaking of Easter, right? This was, this was part of, this, this was the emphatic thing that he was repeatedly telling them that they, that he must die there. And in fact, he showed it to them in the breaking of the bread that we're getting ready to do today and the, and the, and the sharing of the cup. So Christ theology is, the Christ of theology is the Christ of history. How was he going to be the way? He was going to be the way in what he was doing. He was going to prepare them a place. How? He was going to the cross to make a place for them. Everything that we talked about. This is the, the both theological and historical. He made a way through his cross. They know the way because it was clearly declared to him repeatedly at this point. John Gill said this, This also they might have known from some expressions of his that the way to his father's house lay through suffering and death, in which way they also were to follow him to his kingdom and glory. Our salvation lies in where Christ at that time was going. All who know not the way, will die in their sins. So, verse 4, he is declaring plainly that this has been made known. Thomas retorts. 
not in a sense of answering where it says, Thomas says to him, but in a sense of reasoning about what was being said. Uh, He says, Lord, we know not whither you're going. How can we know the way? What has Thomas done here? Thomas has directly contradicted what Jesus said in verse 4, where he says, you know where I'm going and you know the way. Thomas says, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. So a direct contradiction of his Lord. Now what is this? If you were to, if you were to define Thomas right here, this is called unbelief. All right? There is no other way. He is, Jesus says, this is so, and this is so. He says, this is not so, and this is not so. It's a contradiction. Why? Because he doesn't believe simply what has been said. Maybe he thought the Lord was talking in riddles. We remember as they walked along the way, and said, what what is meant by this? What what does he mean he's going to die? What what, what does he mean? What what is this resurrection he's talking about? Uh, And as he was talking about the Father's house and all this, maybe he thought he was talking in riddles or parables. Uh, Often Jesus Christ would speak in parables to those who did not believe uh, uh, in things of that nature. Uh, When Christ said he was going to die and give his life for a ransom, it might mean something else. He had his own expectations, and what Christ was saying wasn't fitting those expectations. So instead of simply believing Christ, he was trying to reorder things in his mind to fit what Christ was saying in his own scheme. You know what that's called? Unbelief. When he says he's going to the Father, maybe that has some kind of shade, some kind of nuance. And sometimes that's how we read the Bible. Instead of believing Christ, Plainly, what it says, we say, well, maybe this means this, and maybe this means this, and maybe, but that's what he was doing. He was reasoning about this. We don't know what you mean, or specifically where you are going. We're in the dark uh, where you are go- about where you're going. We're in the dark, and we don't know how to get there. Unbelief is just that, a failure to simply trust that what Christ was saying was sufficiently clear and meaningful, that it cannot mean what it plainly means. We see that all the time when you share a verse of Scripture with someone and they say, yeah, but, or and dot, 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 but this, this, and this, and this, and this. Um, what is he saying more deeply here? What, what, is this, what does this unbelief more accurately say? Uh, Jesus has failed to teach. That's what he's saying. He called him Lord, but then diminished his role. You can almost fit this in the same category of what happened with Peter. Uh, The very first time he says, we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And Peter says, not so, Lord. Far be it from you. And then what was the rebuke? Get behind me, Satan. This is the same spirit now speaking in Thomas. Thomas spoke in the first person plural too. He was speaking as if he was speaking for all of them. He says, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. 
this may be the fruit of, of their surmising and all their doubting and all the talking back and forth. But this was their statement of unbelief, or at least it was Thomas's. Maybe he was foolishly talking for the rest of them. Maybe some of them did understand. But the fact that they're getting ready to scatter from the garden means they didn't fully Beware if your use of human reasoning keeps you from simply believing and trusting what Christ said. There is a variant here, but it's not worth talking about it, and we're going to go on to verse 6. Christ speaks to Thomas directly. Jesus says unto him, There are a handful of texts, I believe, that kind of... Boil down the morrow of our faith. You all know them, John 3.16, right? First uh, Timothy 1. Uh, oh my, I just lost it. <laughs> this is a faithful saying and a worthy of all expectation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. There are texts like that, that just in a very short few words encapsulate the whole of our faith. John 14, 6, his answer to the unbelieving statement of Thomas is just that. It's the morrow. What is Christianity? It's John 14, 6. What else can you say? As we consider how this statement is brought up, Christ says, you all know where I'm going, and you know the way. You all know the way to where I'm going. Thomas says, we don't. Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He says it plainly. Here, where am I going? I'm going to the Father. He says it again. But this time he says it, In an exclusive way. I'm the only way you have. Jesus told them that they know the way by which they may be where he will be. Thomas retorts, they don't. He says, I'm the way. And through me alone, you can be reconciled to the Father. That's the 10,000 foot view of the text. I don't want to be long. Mostly because the food smells good and (laughs) we want to get to the fellowship. But just consider this text as we break it down. We could rightly just break it down into two parts, right? You have the obvious twofold uh, division. You have the the first part, the exalted predicates. I am this. And those exalted predicates tell us His mediatorial work in our salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then we have the exclusivity of that mediatorial work. No man, no one can come to the Father but by me. So that's an obvious division of the text. I'm not going to say anything in the next 10 minutes that's going to be mind-blowing to you. Because I can't. I can't be any more clear than what Christ is here. Right? 
Could I say anything to shed light on something that is so blindingly light, lightning to our understanding than this? I just want to just say what Jesus said and just say it in five or six different ways. And then we'll break some bread together considering who Christ is and his mediatorial work and then we'll fellowship for the afternoon. Let's look at the predicated truths. This is one of many things, many times that Christ has predicated things about himself. The I am statements. We have two kinds of I am statements that Christ has in the scriptures. We have the predicated I am statements. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread. I am the door. All those things, right? I am the vine. Those are predicated. Um, Those have their own specific meaning. The importance there is the predicates themselves. That's what you're studying. Then you have the unpredicated statements, and, and those are important theologically as to his identity of who Jesus is. Before Abraham was, I am completely unpredicated. And some, somebody, somebody is going to bring up to you one day about the unpredicated statements. I just want to, talk, to say this real quick. Uh, say, well, the blind man in John chapter 6, he says, I am. Or are we supposed to believe he is Lord? That was not an unpredicated statement. They asked him a question. Are you that blind man? He says, I am. It assumed a predicate, right? It assumed I am that person you just asked me about. <laughs> there is a, that is not an unpredicated statement. And Jesus was free about making unpredicated statements about himself. Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, uh, when they came to arrest him, uh, arrest him in the garden, he, he said, I am. And they all fell down backwards. It was a glorious thing when he un- speaks of himself in an unpredicated way. He was the God of Abraham and Isaac that spoke from the bush that says, I am that I am. But these are the un- these are, this is one of the predicated statements. So the predicated statements of what is, what is the meat is what the predicate is. It tells us something about Christ by way of analogy that is full and rich of theological truth. These statements, these truths are given with definiteness in our text. I am the way. We've all already know this, right? Three definite articles. Those articles aren't invented by the translators. In the Greek, each predicate is, is preceded by an article. The Greek article, there's just one, there's not two, we have the E and A, but, he's not, but whenever the Greek article it is, it gives definiteness to whatever is to, being talked about. So we have that here. He is the way, the truth, the life. And that article shows up before each of the predicate nominatives. Nominatives. Christ is saying that He, the subject, is these things that are also in the nominative case. He is these things. And each predicate is given in an ascending sequence. As you read them, they have the sequence about them. The first answers the question immediately by Thomas about the way. He says, He says, you all know the way. No, we don't know the way. He says, I am the way. 
That is the immediate answer. And then we have this we have not only the article that is attached, but we have this word and, or in the Greek it's chi, that word and, uh, which gives us the idea that each and is adding more to what that means. He's the way. What kind of way? He's the true way. What kind of true way? Or to where? To the life. And each adds as if we're building a sequence as we're going through this. Each is separated by that conjunction. Like I said, Christ is the way. More than that, He is the truth. More than that, He is the life. He is the exalted. This is His exalted mediatorial work. Or as the expository's Greek Testament uh, note says, I do not merely point out the way and teach the truth and bestow life, but I am the way and the truth and the life, so that by attachment to me, the one necessarily is in the way and possesses the truth and has the life. Let's talk about each nominative nominative here, each predicate here. He's the way. What does that mean? Well, it means exactly what it says. He is the way. To answer Thomas, Christ is the means and the only means, the only of anyone going to where he is going, the Father's house. He's the way. To the place prepared. He's the way. Christ saw... But deeper than this, this is what Christ saw Himself as. This isn't disciples coming on later and says, you know what? I think we need to invent something about Jesus. I think we we need to say something more. We need to honor Him with with a greater time. you, You hear that sometimes where people will say, well, Jesus never said this about Himself and He never said this about Himself. Jesus said He's the way. This was his own self-understanding. Um, and, and all that the apostles are doing later on was bringing these truths out. When, G, when Paul later in 1 Timothy, uh, at the end of his ministry, said, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's only saying what Jesus said, said about himself. He's the only begotten Son, the only begotten God, declared the declarer of the Father, the one that reconciles people. He is the way. There's an allusion here to the prophecy of Isaiah, where in Isaiah 35, we're not going to take time to read because I'm going to be longer than my 10 minutes that I just promised a few minutes ago, and I'm sorry about that. But but when you get a chance, read Isaiah 35. In Isaiah 35, the allusion is, is that Yahweh would come and save Zion. And in coming and saving Zion, the eyes of the blind would be opened, the, uh, the, the, the lame would walk, and the way would be made for the ransom of the Lord to go rejoicing. I'm the way, he says. He is our God that has come to bring, to, to bring us into Zion. And entered, uh, he entered by the sacrifice of himself, according to Hebrews 9, to be our new and living way. He is the door to the sheepfold. What he has already predicated about himself here, he predicates about himself again. I am the way. Christians, early Christians, you know what we were called? Acts 9, 2, 19, 9, 23, Acts 22, 4, Acts 24, 14, and 22, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 
We're called people of the way. That's what we are. That's just another way of saying people of Christ. He's the way. This is the essential belief of Christianity. We believe on and follow Christ because no one else is the way. Not your ability to do anything or keep yourself from doing it. That's not the way. Christ is the one that brings us to God. He's the truth. This answers Thomas's question on a deeper level. How can we know, he asks. How can we know? That's verse 5. He says, Thomas, I'm the truth. I'm the revealer of God, John 1.18. I am the revelation of God. Uh, I am the one that the Scriptures are written about. The volume of the book is written of Him, Psalm 40. The one who is the fullness of its claims, John 5.39, where He says, Search the Scripture, in, in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which speak of Me. He is the one to be believed. He, if it was not so, our good teacher would have told us, as he just said before Thomas retorted. How can we say that we do not know when he is both the content and source of what we know? He is our assurance. Amen? On Christ a solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He is our assurance. He's the truth. He is God who cannot lie. He alone is the sufficient knowledge of salvation. This we will, ha- we will talk about another month, though. Uh, but He is the light that lightens all men that come into the world, John 1, 4. Uh, Vincent, in his word studies, said this, "...as being the perfect revelation of God the Father, combining in Himself and manifesting all divine reality, whether in being, the law, or the character of God, He embodies what men ought to know and believe of God, what they should do as children of God, and what they should be. He is the truth." The legalist may say the truth lies in the law. The philosopher may say it lies in reason. The scientist may say it lies in empirical science. The Christian says the truth lies in Christ. After all, when we preach the gospel, Ephesians 1.13, we are preaching the word of truth. Matthew Poole said, As truth signifies reality and accomplishment in opposition to prophecies and promises, all being but words till they were in Him fulfilled. In which sense we read the true ta- he is the true tabernacle and the true holy place, Hebrews 8.2, Hebrews 9.24. Or as truth is opposed to falsehood, as truth is taken in John 8.44 and Romans 3.7. He is the truth. And he is the life. This is one of the great themes and this is the crescendo of what pa- he is the true way to wear life. This is one of the great themes of John. 
In Christ is life, John 1, 4. Believing Him is how one attains life, John 3, 16. To have Christ is to, to not have Christ is to not have life, John 3, 36. The life is shared by the Father and Son. The, fa- the son, Father has life in Himself and He is given to the Son to have life in Himself, John 5, 26. It is central to what Christ has said about Himself. John 6, 35 says, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. It was central to his mission where he says, he says in John 10 that he is the giver of life. I come, I come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Again, in John 17, 3, he is going to pray, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He said at the grave of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me shall he, he, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And it goes on in that very context as they say, he that believes on me shall never die. He says, he says, this is the great example of love. Greater love hath no man than the man may lay down his life for his friends. He is a life and in him alone we may live, which is part of the context going forward here in John 14, where he says in John 14, 19, because I live, you shall live also. Our life is wrapped up in Him. He is life. This part then becomes the apex of the message. Get out of the sun. Becomes the apex of His message. Christ is the true way to life. The true way of life. He is the true way... His being the true way begs the question. That what, what this is, this statement at the end of this part of the text... I am the life is the answer to the question is begs. Can you imagine him just saying, I am the way and the truth. I am the true way. Where? To where? To life. If you don't go through me, you abide in death. That's his message. That's his purpose, is that the dead may live. The promise of sin was, the day you eat thereof, you shall Surely die. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We're not. We're not people that. We're not just. You know. We're. We're not just. You know. Good people that just make mistakes every once in a while. We're dead sinners. And you hath he quickened who were dead. He had been telling them, "I'm going to die and rise again." And he's telling them now, I am the life. He just showed them at the, at the table. This is my broken body, which is broken for you. This is, my, this is my blood, which is shed for you. It's a ransom for you. You can live through me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that pours out of the mouth of God. I'm the life. And he showed it to him at the resurrection of Lazarus. Believe on me and you'll never die. He's the means of life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 1 John 5.11 And this is the record that the God has given us eternal life, and the life is in His Son. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 Christ is our life. What are the apostles doing? They're saying exactly what Christ said about Himself. I know, I'm going long. I need to, I need to hurry. I'm almost done, I promise you. Um, 
The Expositor's Greek Testament had this note. The death which cast its shadow over the eleven and himself is itself to be swallowed up in life. Those who are one with Jesus cannot die. They are possessed of the source of life. And John would later simply say this, John 5, 12, and I just quoted John 5, 1 John 5, 5, 11, but the very next verse says, in the most simplest terms at all, he that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son has not life. John is just repeating the doctrine here taught. This is how Jesus saw himself. This is what he predicated of himself. And now let me finish by just saying on a few words on the second part about the exclusivity of his mediatorial work. All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us have gone our own way. We think that there is a way, that there's a way that seems right to men. Well, it just seems to me like if, no, you can't go up to the Father but by me. The way of life has an end with the Father. Those who follow Christ, the true way, end in life. If you don't, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of. No matter what way you choose other than Christ, ends in death. There's no other way to say it. But, think of it this way. Those who follow Christ live. And they will never be cast out. They will never, like Adam, be shut off from the tree of life. Never. This is the exclusive claim of Christ. Again, goes back to what he said about himself being the door of the sheepfold. He says it. There's no nuance here, is there? There's no shades of meaning. He says there's no other way. No one. Every once in a while, I'll run into people will say, who slice the Bible up and say, well, these people at this time are saved by works. No, there's no other way. No one comes to the Father but by Christ. You know how Abraham came to the Father? By Christ. There's no nuance here. In in, in the Greek, the me here, but by me, is emphatic. It adds a little letter at the beginning, a little epsilon at the beginning of it and that makes it emphatic. He's not just saying, but by me. He's saying, but by me. He is putting the emphasis here. He is drawing his attention to himself. Two plus two equals four. Christ alone is the way. These are, these are definite truths. This was what, how he answered Thomas. They already knew the, 
that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the full saving truth, though, the confession that we have. This is what the church has believed and taught from the very beginning, not something that they later made up. John or Acts chapter 14, verse 12, Peter would say, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given whereby men must be saved. You cannot come by the law. You cannot come by penance. You cannot reform yourself unto the, unto the way. There is no ritual for you. There is no magic words or abracadabra that can be said. You need Christ. You need the mediator. And God's, you need a mediator and God's only provided one. And he didn't have to provide that. Again, the words of Paul, there is one God and there is one mediator. That's it. What is he saying? He's saying what Jesus himself said. This is not fideism. What is fideism? Fideism is as long as you're sincere and sincerely have some kind of faith, you'll be saved. That's not Bible. That's not what Christ said. That's, that's the theology of Home Alone 2. But it's not the theology of Christ. This is not fideism. This is sola fide. Faith in Christ alone saves. Again, I, we are Miss Missionary. I don't remember the missionary who it was. I remember we were down there in the bottom, somewhere where there's a parking lot right down here <laughs> at Walmart. We were in that building, and the one that they always had the leaky roof, and great times, right? <laughs> I remember the missionary, he came and he preached a very simple, simple message. Christians do not believe or proclaim Jesus saves. That's not the Christian message, and that's not the message of Christ here. Christians confess this truth. Only Jesus saves. I never forgot that little message. I don't know who the missionary is, but it had an impact on me. We preach the exclusivity of Christ. And that's it. The Christian confession is very simple. It's this, what Christ said. This is the fullness of salvation found in Christ alone. He alone justifies. He alone sanctifies. He alone glorifies. No, man com- no one comes to the Father but by me. I hope that each and every one of you here believe this text confesses this text, clings to this text, and then takes this text outside this door in whatever way you can, takes to the people that need Christ. If someone can, I guess that's what Teresa's doing, get the ladies from the nursery, we'll go ahead and have the Lord's Supper.
Yes. Crescendo, that's like music. It gets louder and then it hits its peak. Wow. Like all 